It's a great day to be Wisconsin proud. Welcome to Country Connection. I'm your host, Libby Collins. Were you a cheerleader or involved in dance or or palms in high school? Well, maybe your daughter is or they aspire to become involved. Joining us today is Natalia Vernizzi. She's a coach at Westosha Central High Cheer, and she's also an at-large representative for the Wisconsin Association of Cheer and Palm Coaches. Natalia, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Now, where's Westosha? It's west of Kenosha in Kenosha County in and, Salem. And, how, and tell us, first of all, you've been a coach for how long? Uh, since 2004, so. That's quite a while. Mm-hmm. And it, you, you were in cheerleading before that? Right. Yep. I cheered in high school. Well, grade school, eighth grade through high school. So you've been involved in this for a long time. Yeah. Well, tell us, first of all, what exactly is the Wisconsin Association of Cheer and Palm Coaches? WACPC is a sister sport to WIAA, and so WACPC focuses on cheer and dance in Wisconsin. Now, what's the difference between palm and dance, or are they the same thing? Uh, Dance is like the overall category. There's different divisions in dance, so one of them is palm, there's kick, and hip-hop. And what's uh, tell us the difference of those three. Um, Well, palm routine, you want to think about dancers that have their pom-poms and they do lots of different formation changes and dances. Hip-hop is the dancing that you might see on TV where all the kids are like hitting hard motions and hard movements and is very fun um, for the athletes to perform. And then kick is basically uh, where there's a dance routine and there has to be a kicker and they kick most of the routine. All right. And by the way, if you want information about the Wisconsin Association of Cheer and Palm Coaches sent directly to your phone, text the keyword connection to 414-799-9494. All right. So you're a cheer coach. Now, what's the difference between cheer and dance? All right. So cheer and dance are different, but they are similar at the same time. Um, with cheer, one of the biggest things that we do that dancers don't do is we have a cheer. So at some point in our routines, we try to lead the crowd with a cheer and get some callback response. Um, we also have more stunts. Dance does have stunts nowadays, especially. You see it in hip-hop um, where there's lifts and different flips and stuff that kids do. But for cheer, we focus on pyramids, stunting, and tumbling. Um, cheer uses mats. Dance does not. So most uh, cheer teams in our state can do bigger pyramids and things like that because there are some things you can't do on the wood floor. You started in cheer in eighth grade. You went through high school, college. You became a coach. You've been doing this a long time. How has the sport increased in athleticism since you got started in eighth grade? Oh, it makes me laugh. Um, So I started cheering in eighth grade at Salem grade school and I cheered at Westosha and we worked hard, but what the athletes are expected to do now is completely different than when I cheered. As far as the tumbling alone, like I would say about five kids on my team of 20 actually tumbled and now almost my entire varsity team tumbles. So I have 15 out of 16 tumbling. I mean, and that's choreographed tumbling and timing you have to work on. So there's much more tumbling in routines. And as far as stunting, it is insanely different. We have different release skills and spin skills that we can now do legally and safely so that the picture of what you see in cheerleading is completely different than what it used to be. The girls are, I think, stronger, I would say, and what it took to be a state champion when I cheered in 2003 opposed to nowadays are so far. It makes my athletes laugh because it's so different and it's 
was so much easier stunt-wise and difficulty-wise back then, and it's just not the same. It, it, tell us what a stunt is. What do you mean when you say stunt? Um, a stunt refers to any time you have girls that are holding up a different girl. So you have usually two bases on the bottom, and there's a back spot, and the girl in the back spot is responsible for the head and shoulders of the girl, the top girl in the air. So the top girl, we call her the flyer top girl, and she's the one that I would say most people see. Are there certain stunts that are pretty common, or does a coach and a team come up with their own um, unique stunts? I think that a lot of teams do the same stunts when they're ready, but most importantly, people need to make sure that they are following the progressions for cheer. What, so, what do you mean by progression? So uh, if you're a coach that actually takes the time to study and know what's best for your athletes, you should make sure that your kids are always safe and they have one skill perfected before you add difficulty to it. So stunts can start as low as the ground and you're standing on the ground and you put your foot on somebody, or they could start at below prep and prep is at your shoulder level so like at your waist then there's stunts at prep like I said shoulder then extended above uh, prep and then you take from there extended you go to single foot stunts and then single foot stunts you can start building and release stunts which is whenever the girl the top girl is released at one point and recaught and then there's spinning stunts and there's baskets there's just so many progressions and Coaches should really look into follow, making sure they follow the progressions so that nobody gets hurt. Your athletes shouldn't be rushed into skills if they're not ready to hit those skills. Well, March is Cheerleader Safety Month. What are some of the most common injuries that you see in participants? In my time, there are simple things just like Band-Aids the girls need a lot. There is shoulder injuries because there's just so much spinning, and so the girls are twisting their arms and shoulders in positions that we haven't had in the past. So I had one of those this year. There has been concussions in the past, um, and I know that's something that WACPC is really trying to be proactive on. So this year they did purchase uh, headstrong concussion insurance for anybody in our state who competes in dance or cheer for the WACPC organization, and it covers athletes after their primary insurance doesn't cover it. So it's something nice and extra WACPC spent money on so that our athletes are covered if there is a head injury. As far as... Um, if there's a concussion, if I see it, like at my practice, the first thing I do is I, the trainer comes and assesses them. And so prior to the season starting, we do take baseline tests just like every other sport at Wistosha. And so they get tested to see if their baseline, if their scores have changed. And if they have, then they have to get, uh, go to the doctor. And then once the doctor releases them, then they are like titrated back into practice. So some kids are good within five days. And then some girls take longer than that because they still have symptoms. So as soon as they show any symptoms, they have to stop again and they restart over. Um, It's unfortunate, but it's part of being athletic and Nowadays, there's different types of concussions. Like, of course, a girl can get it from falling like straight down on the mat and hitting her head, or sometimes like hitting a knee. But even like catching girls in their cradle position, like if she like whips hard, sometimes that can cause a concussion. So coaches just need to be really on the lookout and making sure that their athletes are responding and normal. If you think something was caught hard or landed hard, um, and I have a great relationship with my athletic trainer at my high school. I suggest every high school cheer and dance coach stay on top of that because the trainers can really help you through a lot of stuff. 
We're talking with Natalia Vernizzi. She's a coach at Westosha Central High Chair, and she's also at-large representative for the Wisconsin Association of Cheer and Palm Coaches. And if you are just tuning in and you want to catch up on the conversation you missed, go to kticountry.com, click on the Features tab, and you'll find this and past Country Connection interviews. Tell us a little bit about practice. What goes on at a practice? All right, so at practice... We always start with some kind of warm-up of some sort. We have jumping jacks that we have choreographed. Um, but we always use, also do something for the abs so that the girls can keep their back strong because sometimes back injuries can get common, too, if the athletes aren't lifting appropriately with their legs. Um, so we work on our core, and then we do – obviously, we stretch for quite some time. Um, and then a practice, basically, it depends on if that week we have a competition or not. If we do, we always practice warming up based off the time that we get at competition. Some competitions, we have 15 minutes, some are 10. Um, so we'll run through, we'll warm up our stunts, we call it. And so that's when we do our stunts to counts and we feel safe. And when we're ready in those 10 or 15 minutes, then we move on to um, doing our routine to music. Uh, this week, like I have a dice that I'm rolling, and each number of the dice stands for something. So if they roll a four, it's a full-out routine, which means that we're doing our stunt as if we were at competition. We have to throw it all out. A one is just the intro, which is our first music, or a two is cheer. I try to mix it up so the kids still have fun. Because at the end of the day, we want our athletes having fun. Um, but cheer is very different than other sports where we just have two and a half minutes to prove that we have what it takes and can – come out on top for the day so we don't have a timeout that we can stop and take to say let's fix this game isn't working we need to switch our defense we just need to be hitting our routine like from front to end as best as we can every time so full outs are common in most cheer teams I would say um, we try to do at least two a night I know some teams do five I look at my athletes and see if they're ready to add more it takes us a long time to get to a full out because it's so much energy and athleticism they need to get through the routine and and these are athletes in addition to these practices what other workouts what other uh, things do they have to do to stay in condition um well a lot of the girls I know take weightlifting class at Wistosha. Um, on top of that, there's girls have some outside things that they're involved with. There's a girl right now who does ballroom dancing. Uh, we've had ice skaters. Uh, some girls just work out on their own. Um, we do start in May or June, and so we do start practices earlier than other sports. We don't have a timeline for cheer and dance in Wisconsin, so... We can start when we're ready. Um, but on top of that, we have to cheer at games at Westosha, and there's different fundraising and other events that we have to do. So we're always busy doing something, I feel like. Oh, with, with your team members, at what age did they begin cheer or dance? How young were they? Uh, most of the kids in my team have cheered in grade school. We do get some kids at our high school that are new to cheer. And for the most part, we try to find a a spot for everyone it just might depend on what they do so for example our JV2 kids are kids who are interested in cheer and maybe they're not as talented as some other girls but they they have desire or maybe their schedule doesn't allow so they do JV2 which means that they cheer at JV games our JV1 girls they compete and then our varsity girls compete most of them started like I said in grade school sixth seventh eighth grade um but there is, like, every once in a while, we'll get a few all-star girls who started younger. And all-star starts young. So... Is that, like, a traveling cheerleaders Right. Group so if or? you think about, like, the different club sports, it's yeah. basically, like, cheer or dance club teams. And then studios for dancing, they start early, too. Um, so you'll find, like, f three- and four-year-olds at studio dance. 
Now, do you have to have natural talent, or can you teach almost anybody to be a cheerleader? I think that if a girl is willing to, or boy, we're not co-ed, but we've been co-ed in the past. Um, if they show that they are committed and they have any strain of athleticism in them at all, we can help them become the cheerleader or that they want to be. Uh, our program is pretty strong, but... There are kids who haven't cheered that are just natural athletes that we can help to get to where we need them to be. As a coach, what do you impress on your your members, your participants, about watching out not just for their own personal safety, but for the safety of all of the team? Our backspot, I always tell my backspots that they are the smartest, quickest girls on the team for a couple of reasons. One, the backspot is totally responsible to catch under the armpits so that if you catch on the armpits, their head and shoulders are safe. That is the number one thing. We need to save those heads and shoulders. Um, because if those head that head goes to the ground, that's that's the problem, right? So those are catastrophic injuries which every team is preventing. Um, and so they need to make the call. If a stunt is shaky, they need to call that stunt down and save it. Or they need to really make sure that that their bases are staying nice and tight together so that she can make the best catch too. Because if your bases are really far apart, the bottom girls, it, the flyers can fall right through the center. And as when we're doing pyramids, and they're connected. I mean, pyramids mean that the stunts are connected. And if one girl starts pulling the rest of the team down, it can cause like a huge chain reaction and pull the entire pyramid down, which can be very troublesome. So the girls during pyramids, during stunts, they should not be talking. They need to focus on the skill that they're doing and encouraging each other, not talking about anything that's going on outside of cheerland. Now, what about Westosha itself? Tell us about some of the things you're participating in this year and some of the competitions you're doing. Well, we are at seven local events this year. So we competed at East Troy High School, Greendale High School. Our conference is actually pretty strong. We have a conference competition. A lot of other schools don't have, our conferences don't have that. So we hosted it at Westosha this year with all the seven teams in our conference with cheer and dance. We're going to nationals in Florida. And then we'll have uh, the Wisco Cup at Wisconsin Lutheran High School. And then finally, we'll end our state series at um, lacrosse in March. Well, good luck. Thank you so much. I hope you I hope you do really well at the Nationals in Florida. Now, what advice do you have for young people who want to get involved in cheer and dance? I think that young people is, should get out there and get active, number one. Um, like I said earlier, being a natural athlete is going to help you in any sport, and it's good for life. So, uh, you know, look into your high schools, see if they have clinics or different clubs that they suggest the kids to go in. Reach out to those coaches. Those coaches, I appreciate it when parents are looking and asking me, like, where should I send my kid? She really wants to cheer for you in the future. Um, get involved in those grade school teams, too. I, high school and club, our high school and grade school are very different. But if you can learn some fundamentals in grade school, it's going to set you um, to where you want to be in the high school level. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, gymnastics places that have open tumbling. You know, check those places out. Um, elite tumbling is huge in Wisconsin right now as for spotting tumbling, which is great because there are many tumbling skills that I can't spot. So we bring in somebody, uh, a, t a program, once a week, and there's two spotters that come with them. They work with a lot of schools because some of these girls, when they're flipping, not only they're flipping, they're spinning. You have to be strong and quick to help catch those tumbling runs if they don't go well. You've been in cheer for a long time. What's the thing you've learned from being involved in cheer? When I was an athlete, I think the biggest thing was discipline. Like, I know that as a cheerleader, my team is dependent on me to make the best decisions for myself so that the team benefits. 
as a coach, I have learned how to be the most organized person I can be because there's so many different things that are always going on. Natalia Vernese, a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you so much. And we're going to have a link to the Wisconsin Association of Cheer and Palm Coaches at kticountry.com. Just click on the Features tab, look for connections, and share this interview with family and friends. I wouldn't be surprised if many Wisconsin cheerleaders attended summer camp when they were young. Camp season's just around the corner, and it's not too early to decide which camp is best for your child. Joining us today are Jess Lanky. She is Director of Recreation and Aquatics, and Lenny Cass, who's Director of the Jew. Community Center Rainbow Day Camp. And Lenny, Jess, great to have both of you here. It's nice to be here. How, how does a person decide what camp experience is going to be best for their child? Well, for each child, there's different things that parents are looking for. And there's lots of things out in the market. And one of the things that we're real excited about is having kids play. And if people are looking to have their kids play, that's a type of program they would be on a camp like ours. Then there's some people who want their kids to have more of a, a sports program. We have that down at the Jewish Community Center in Whitefish Bay. And then there's people who want their kids maybe to go to a school program, and that will be a local school. So there's lots for kids to do, and there's lots of kids out there. So there's something for everybody. How many different JCC camps are there for kids? So we have a huge variety of JCC on-campus camps. We have sports specialty camps, a number of those ranging from t-ball, cheer and dance. We bring in partnerships with the Milwaukee Wave and the Milwaukee Bucks. We also offer a variety of other specialties, science and arts specialty camps, exploring Wisconsin and different outdoor adventure exploring camps as well. What's your favorite? I'd have to say I'm most excited for a new camp that we have for our third through fifth uh, age group this summer with Chess and Math Minds. And we're partnering with Mathnasium, which is in Whitefish Bay, and bringing in specialists to kind of teach the basics of chess, challenge them in every aspect of math. Now, that sounds that really sounds intriguing. This kind of goes along with what Lenny was saying. If you want something a little bit more educational, what, what will kids learn at the math and chess camp? So they'll learn the basic strategy of chess, kind of introduction to that. And then they'll also touch on every area of math specific for that third through fifth age range. A little bit of geometry, a little bit of, you know, problem solving and puzzles, some team building activities in that camp as well. Because there are some kids that don't want to sing and swim and do crafts. They'd much rather do math problems, and I'm really not kidding about that. There's kids that like to do all sorts of things, and even if they come out to JCC Rainbow Day Camp, we've got everything from model trains, we've got a woodworking area, we've got a big gardening area, we've got nature. So there's just about anything for everybody. So even if your child might like to do stuff with computers, we don't want them plugged in all day, but there's ways that we can do some things outside with them. What other kinds of educational type camps are there? Uh, so we have some camps based in the sciences, our science explorer camp, our science and rocket exploring camp, touching on experimenting and building. Uh, we also do two different cooking camps, our beginner chef and our master chef, so teaching the basic kitchen utensils skills how to build a recipe and cook something start to finish and I know out at Rainbow they do a lot of those similar programming um, for kids who want it but don't want it for the entire day. What sort of things will kids cook the, at the cooking camp? So it varies. So I'm some thinking days, I want to send my kid there and get dinner. Yeah so that's <laughs> the whole the camp will be designed to kind of touch on every area of cooking from baking to making a full meal to making an appetizer. Um, it, the possibilities are endless. 
And out at, out at Rainbow in our cooking program, what we do is we have a big garden. So the kids actually go pick their things. And we have live chickens, so we get the eggs. So they'll go pick some uh, spinach, then go get the eggs off of the chickens, then go make an omelet. And we all sit down in the sun and have a good time eating our omelets. But no fried chicken. Of course not. <laughs> We're here with uh, Letty Cass and also Jess Lang. We're talking about some of the camps that are available through the JCC. And if you're just tuning in and you want information and you want to catch up on the conversation you missed, go to kticountry.com, click on the Features tab, and you'll also find this and past Country Connection interviews. Are all the camps day camps or are there some overnight ones as well? Okay, out at Rainbow... Um, any child who's in third grade and up can be, can stay on an overnight once per two weeks. Um, otherwise, we have day camps. The Jewish Community Center does run an overnight camp. That's up in Eagle River, Wisconsin, and that's our camp Interlochen. But the camps in Fredonia and also Whitefish Bay are all day camps. The Interlochen one, how long do kids go away? They can go away for a short of a time as two weeks. And where do they, do they sleep outside when they're in those camps, or are there? Are no, there, there are cabins up there. They do have cabins. Yes. But now at Rainbow Day Camp, when they do the overnight, what are those accommodations The accommodations, like? we, we sleep on the floor in the big lodge, and then I get um, my staff and myself sleep overnight with them. So it's big. We have the girls on one side of the lodge, boys on the other side, and everybody's in sleeping bags on the floor. But before then, we're outside singing by the campfire, looking up at the stars, and you can really see the stars once you get a little ways away from the city. And playing out there, and then we get a chance to spend the night. Do they, do they really sleep that night? Oh, yes. Unfortunately, the director turns into one of these guys that sits on a chair, and we make the kids go to bed at 9 o'clock. Because the funny thing is, I'm on the playground with them at 530 in the morning because the sun comes up. And then we play until the rest of the kids wake up. But unfortunately, the sun wakes us up bright and early, and we need them to get a little bit of sleep because they have a full day of camp. And it works out nicer when they come home tired but not so exhausted that it tends to be a, a problem. Now, what, what, what do you do on the overnight? How do you build to that? Because normally the kids would go home at, what, 4 or 5 in the afternoon? Right. First of all, it's an optional overnight. So any child that comes to Rainbow, if they don't want to stay overnight, that's okay. They can go home on the bus like normal. Kids that would like to stay in the overnight, then they would stay. Everybody leaves. And as soon as the buses pull out, then we're yelling and screaming and having a great time because we have the camp to ourselves. At which time we're going to be doing some little bit more swimming, some more activities. And then we have our hot dog dinner. And then after that, we'll play a little capture the flag, get a chance to sit by the campfire, have some s'mores because what's camp without s'mores? And then we would be stargazing and then going to sleep. What? And then bright and early in the morning, we're up before the buses come so that we can all stop and make sure the buses wait for us to move out of the way because we're already at camp. Yeah, wait a minute, Lenny. You didn't say anything about campfire songs. Oh, well, we have to have campfire songs and lots of singing. You know it. Yeah. Now, now last year you were here and you were kind enough to share one of those songs with us. And I'm not going to ask you to do it yet. But oh, this is exciting. I'm it, getting ready. It can't be the same one as last year. It's got to be a different song. So I'm going to give you a minute or two to think about that. We're talking with Letty Cassie's director of JCC Rainbow Day Camp. Also, Jess Lanky, who's the director of recreation and aquatics at uh, the JCC. And uh, if you want information about JCC Camp, send directly to your phone. Text the keyword connection to 414-799-9494. Now, if we're talking about the day, what time do those buses get there, Liz? Buses pick up in Milwaukee area about 9 o'clock, 
we get out of camp by 9.30. We leave camp at about uh, 4 o'clock, get back between 4.30 and quarter to 5. How many years will a kid come to camp? Well, our youngest camper is going into K-5, and then they're all the way through high school, and then they can become counselors. So we've got some kids that have, have been at camp since they were five years old, and now are my counselors out of camp. And I'm, I'm looking at Jess, and she's nodding her head. Now, Jess, how many years did you go to camp? Oh, I went to camp almost every single year growing up. I actually uh, attended camps at the JCC growing up as well, and uh, worked at the JCC when I was in high school, and now I've transitioned into overseeing our camps. So it's very exciting for me. As, as a young kid, what did you get out of it? Because you're a lot younger than Lenny. Sorry, Lenny. Oh, but uh, right. you, your memories are probably a little bit fresher. What, why did you enjoy it when you were little? I think it's the experience of just being in a camp, building that community, meeting new friends, new people who, you know, you stay connected to then for years to come, interacting with the counselors who are so excited to be there and share, you know, maybe they went to camp sharing their experiences, getting everyone ready for the day, excited, um, and just being a part of that community. Lenny, I've got to ask you, because you've been doing this how many years? I've been doing directing camps for now. It's been uh about 30 years. So you have seen these kids grow up. You've, you've seen campers like, like Jess come as pre-K or, or a little bit older and uh, not just come to camp, but maybe become counselors themselves and maybe even get jobs at the JCC and, as adults. What do you see in terms of the development of a child by participating in something like this? Well, the neat thing about camps is it gives kids new experiences and new challenges. And what I really see is the kids building their self-esteem because all of a sudden they're starting and doing programs that they don't get to normally get a chance to do new challenges. Another thing that's really nice about camps is kids have been in school all year and they're sitting at their desks. And some of the kids, for them, that's difficult. They have to sit and be quiet and listen and follow. And then they get to come to camp and just let loose and just have a phenomenal time. We have a real big special needs program at our camp, and a number of the kids that come, this is the highlight of their year. I mean, um, they get an opportunity to just let loose and be campers. A big thing that we would like to, uh, to really emphasize at camp is we want kids to be kids. Let them get muddy, let them get dirty, let them yell, yell let them run around and have a good time. And this summer we're really stressing being unplugged. Too many of our kids right now are on the Internet, are doing so many things that they come to camp and totally unplugged. We've got a huge middle school group, and it's neat to watch the middle schoolers put their phones down, talk to each other, and play some of the games that we played when we were kids. Kick the can, uh, four square, dodgeball, things like that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up cell phones. Do they have to give up their cell phone while they're in camp for the day? Yes. What, what, what do you do with them? Do you just we have the kids put them in their backpacks, and if they do come out, then we do take care of, take them for the day and then give them back. We want the kids to play, and we don't need the cell phones. Harder, it's harder for the staff to put the cell phones down than even the kids. So you're talking about college kids. How do college kids communicate nowadays? Cell phones. Well, they have to be unplugged for the day, too, which gets them ready for getting in the job market where you need to put your phones away at times. What, what feedback do you get, not just from the campers, but some of the counselors about giving up their phones for a day? Well, what we do is we sit down at orientation with our counselors and we talk about why 
and what camp's all about and have them help us develop the policy. And it's so funny because we all say, well, it's going to be a real problem. And once everybody starts having such a good time at camp, you don't need it. And they're just having a great time, enjoying the community, and you start, you know, leaving the phone where it needs to be. There are a number of different camps. We've just touched on it. And if listeners want to get more information about the camps being offered by the JCC, how can they get that? They can visit our website, jccmilwaukee.org. All of our enrollment is done through there. All of our program guides are available for viewing. They can see the layout of camp for the entire summer. They can read descriptions about specific camps they may be interested in for their child. Uh, Jess, you said you were a camper. Yes. You were a counselor. What was your favorite song in camp? Whew, that might take uh, Lenny reminding me of some oh, of the you, ones that did, we used Didn't you like the bear song? Why don't you give us a little preview well, of well, that? Well, you know, it wouldn't, be a, <laughs> it wouldn't be a rainbow camp experience if we didn't have Lenny share a song. And, and Jess, I'd love for you to join in. Well, no, wait a second. Both of you are going to be joining in because this is a repeating song. Because the best way to do these songs is to have a repeating song. So, everybody after me. And... Moms and dads at home, let your kids sing along, too. And here we go. The other day. The other day. I saw a bear. I saw a bear. A great big bear. A great big bear. Away up there. Away up there. All together. The other day I saw a bear. A great big bear away up there. He looked at me. He looked at me. I looked at him. I looked at him. He sized up me. He sized up me. I sized up him. I sized up him. He looked at me. I looked. At him, he, he sized, sized up me. me. I, I sized up, up him. him. Now, if you want to know what else happened with the bear, you need to come out to Rainbow Day Camp this summer, and we will continue that song. Thank you for letting me sing because it really gets me in the camp spirit and gets me ready for camp. Lenny Cass, I want to come to Rainbow Day Camp. <laughs> Just like he, Director of Recreation and Aquatics, thanks for being here. We will have links at kticountry.com, and you can find out all the camp experiences available through the JCC. Just click on the Features tab, look for Connections, and share this interview with family and friends. And for Country Connection, I'm Libby Collins.